previously on Dream Realm. On the Dream Realm, I did rape Maris Cindy and Lachey. But it wasn't real. It was just in the Dream Realm, and it didn't last long or mean anything. I don't even think you can call it rape. And then she left, saying that she would make sure I went to jail, that everyone knew the truth about me, and I didn't know what to do. I was sleepless, so I went to her apartment. I knocked on the door, and she answered. She tried immediately screaming, but I grabbed her by the throat. I wasn't even to try and kill her. I just wanted her quiet, and next thing you know, she's unconscious. And I realized I'd have to kill Cindy and Lachey, not because I wanted to, but they would know who killed Maris. There's a bunch of hackers on Dream Realm. They're doing what I'm doing, raping, assaulting people. They've created mods which they can do sexual fantasies with. Some of it's pretty nasty. The hackers behind it, they call the system the Dark Dream Realm, or the Dark Realm. The guy who contacted me was in charge of the hackers and the code. His name, or nickname, username, I suppose, is Marzipan. Are you game to go back tonight? Elias asked as soon as the door was closed behind them. I am, but we barely have anything. Just a hacker named Marzipan. You're listening to episode 10 of the audiobook slash podcast project, Dream Realm. Voiced, written, and produced by me, Matt Rebar. Part 4, Chapter 3. The only name which Liam Schumer could give up was a nickname, that of a man named Marzipan. According to Liam's story, the two had met on Dream Realm after Liam had answered an ad online looking for skilled hackers. The two had met in Soft Cafe a type of technological cafe located in Urbana. Neither Elias or Jordan had gone to the cafe yet, although it had been described as a potential stop on their list. Liam had described Marzipan as a rather young-looking man with perched eyes and a thin frame. Apparently, Marzipan had blonde hair, which was slicked back with gel. His frames were a fun color, either green or blue. And there wasn't much else that Liam could remember, considering that this would be the only time that they had met in person. During their in-person meeting, Marzipan asked a couple of questions before asking for Liam's coding. And over the next day, Marzipan had given Liam the codes which would help him get away with rape in return for Liam designing and customizing the codes for the system described as the Dark Realm. Liam provided a few security codes while re-upping a couple of the existing ones in place. And after that, Liam finally got the balls to use the code on victims such as Leander Summers. Up within the third floor of Oolong for Memories were a few new members of the New Leaves, including Gina, Rochelle, and Cherise Bethine, the leader of the group. Cherise looked particularly put together, her short blonde hair in formation and her long sleeve blouse and skirt combo making her look formidable in the semi-professional position she was in. Jordan, Elias, how are you? Cherise asked with a smile. How did everything go with Maris, Lachey, and Cindy's attacker? He'll be spending years behind bars, Jordan explained to the group. He won't be seeing the outside of a jail cell for a long time, at least 45 years. Not enough, but at least you guys found him. Cherise sighed. Why only 45? Because Liam Schumer gave us some evidence which, if we find it be worth anything, will lessen his sentence. Evidence? Cherise questioned, looking a little frightened. What did he say to you? He mentioned something called the Dark Realm. It's apparently a group of people who are hacking and modifying the main code of Dream Realm. It's what allowed men and women to rape people. It's what might allow people to do even more things on the Dream Realm. Horrible things for all we know. I, things that are outlawed in here. You know, like stalking, sexual harassment, pedophilia, kidnapping, peer pressure, bullying. Th those are technically against Dream Realm code, but these kind of things will happen if the Dark Realm continues mass-producing their code. 
We have a better understanding of how the code works, Elias explained. It appears that in real life, the code is applied to one's Dream Mask system. How that happens, we're unsure. Most likely, these hackers have broken into Dream Realm's corporation, or individuals give permission. Either way, the code's applied to the individual who then can enter the Dream Realm with their new set of powers. This is terrifying, Sharice responded, looking between Gina and Rochelle, who looked sickened. How, I, how do we stop that? We don't know yet, Jordan answered truthfully. We have to investigate that question, actually. But we have a lead. Apparently one of the main hackers behind the Dark Realm... Well, it's a man by the name of Marzipan. Does it ring a bell for anyone? The members present all thought for a second, but then nodded their heads no. Do you have a picture? Gina asked Jordan. I don't know the name, but I might know the face. One second. Jordan closed her eyes and recalled the photo which the sketch artist had created. The slick blonde hair, the blue-green glasses, the thin hollow face formed on a piece of paper, which was then clutched in her hand. She showed the small gaggle of new leaves, and immediately one girl recognized the man. That's... that's the man who raped me! The girl exclaimed as the room turned to her. He's the one! Oh my gosh, he, he's the one! Minutes later, Jordan, Elias, and Ginger were sharing a conversation. I had been leaving a bar in Townsville, um, oh Haggerty's, when I could just feel something was wrong. Ginger was explaining the night of her attack. Townsville was one of the seven main public realms. I didn't know what to say or what to do, so I just kept walking. I was just going to get to the other side of Townsville. It was such a gorgeous night. I picked up my pace, and that's when I just felt myself freeze over. A man was behind me. He immediately grabbed my hand, and the next thing I knew, we were in some kind of house or apartment. I don't think it was a hotel. There was just too many things for it to be a hotel. But he pushed me down on the bed, and I just... I lay there. I was so shocked and so unsure that I didn't want to move. He climbed on top of me. I could feel him down there, and he continued, and... I don't want to explain much more. It just still feels fresh after all these months, you know. When did it happen? Jordan asked. About 10, 11 months ago. Okay. Elias nodded. And what happened after it was over? He finished, told me I could leave, didn't even do anything or say anything else. So did you leave? Yes. You know how it is. They they make it so that you're trapped. But finally, I just got out of the realm. Wherever we were at. I just remember appearing in West Coast, and then I just wanted to wake up. So I did, and I was so confused by what had happened. Maybe it was consensual, even though I knew it wasn't. And I went back and forth on my feelings. The perception of the event changed. Sometimes it was a bad hookup. Sometimes it was the worst time of my life. When I saw an online forum about a group for people who had experienced this, I knew I had to find out more. And I'm so glad I did. Ginger paused for a second. Is there anything else I can tell you that might help you? Ginger looked between both Jordan and Elias. The room where it happened. What did it look like? It it was regular. It was decorated lightly. I remember there were a couple of art pieces on the walls, but there was just something to it that didn't feel like a hotel. There was some strewn clothes and open closet with some stuff. It, it's hard to remember exactly what there was. We'll find Marzipan, Jordan nodded. I don't know what kind of trouble he'll get into, but we will take him and the Dark Realm down. I know you will, Ginger nodded, because you don't have a choice. They need to be stopped. Ginger left Jordan and Elias to think, and the two turned to each other with the new information. So do you think Marzipan was testing his code out on Ginger, perhaps others? Jordan questioned. Ten, eleven months ago, that's prior to Liam Schumer's rapes. The organization can't be too old, it's so new and underground, but it's been around less than a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, and Marzipan was creating codes and testing down the early stages before letting others try it. Townsville. Is there a connection there? Not sure. Could be. 
Should we investigate the bar in town still, or should we go investigate Softcore? I think we should go to Softcore, and then we head back to the bar in town, so... We should go to the order of our leads. Okay. Immediately, both of them vanished and arrived somewhere else in Urbana. Chapter 4. A younger Elias D'Angelo sat down across from Academy Captain Luisa Montaz. Elias was both physically and emotionally younger, having not gone through the experiences which would later cut into his attitude. He would not become sour, but this future would lessen the positivity he had for the human spirit and condition. How did you think you did on your final examinations? Montez questioned, eyeing Elias with neutrality. She did not give indication of how Elias had done, as she headed with all of her students. Neither did she indicate that she cared about the man standing across from her. Her brow was not furrowed, but inclined with intrigue. She wondered what kind of future could blossom from the academy police cadet in front of her, especially in a city booming with populations and diversity, filled with people trying to make quick money, perhaps with the worst intentions in America. To make it as a police officer in Los Angeles was not easy, especially for someone so bold and devoted like Elias DeAngelis. I think I did well. How well do you think you did? I guess well, Captain. You passed, Captain Montez explained with a happy sigh. Straight pass. You turned out to be the best officer within your class, actually. You nailed the physical tests, handled yourself with logic and knowledge, passed the psychiatric evaluations. There wasn't a single part where you didn't shine. Top of the class? Well, that's a bit of a surprise. Is it? Captain Montez questioned as she shoveled through the paperwork. You were the top in your criminology department at San Francisco University. The SFPD raved about your internship working capacities. They wanted to hire you right out of college. But you decided to come down here. Why was that? I wanted to get away from my hometown when I went to university. And staying in San Francisco didn't seem far enough. What's back in your hometown? Resentment? Dishonor? Problems? I thought I passed the psychiatric examination. I have the same kind of talk with all the cadets who score high in their class, Montez continued, so I can tailor my recommendations and fit you in the best department or precinct. My hometown has a few problems, Elias shrugged. It's a small town, barely on the map, off from the major highways. Not much happens in that town, so people like that. They like waking up to predictable routine, where once a year something wild happens, and it's the talk of the town until next year's wild thing. There's not much going on otherwise. On top of that, I had a really bad high school relationship, and my relationship with my mother is complicated. Tell me about these women. I had a school girlfriend, Gigi. She was a beautiful girl, one of the few people in the area who I thought understood it. It being where we were living and who we were. We talked about college and big cities, jobs in big cities, traveling, seeing the world. We were aware that this small town in Northern California was not where we were meant to be. And then senior year of high school, I found out she was cheating on me. I know. A little, a little dramatic, but perhaps being awoken to the awareness of our shitty lives meant that nothing real could remain. And I was torn up about it. I knew she was going up to school up in Seattle, so San Francisco seemed like a safe enough distance away from her. But my mother, she's always been a little bit nihilistic. I think I get a lot of my ideology from her, although a younger version of her. I think getting into her 30s began to sour her experience on life. She'd wake up, go to the county school to teach, come home with the kids, cook, clean, and sleep. The repetitive cycle got the better of her. I remember feeling it more when I entered high school. I think becoming a teenager made me more aware of my mother's evolution. I was glad to leave the house and the town. There wasn't much keeping me there. I never bonded with my father, never bonded with my siblings. We just existed together cohesively but shallowly. So after college in San Francisco, what motivated you to come to L.A.? Captain Montaz was interested in the story that was playing out, her eyes deep into his own, so deep that occasionally Elias had to break eye contact. A couple of reasons. I wasn't going back to my hometown, but I was ready for more of a challenge. 
I could have been a great police officer for San Francisco, but I wanted something more complicated. I was aware how hard it would be to work in LA, but I was ready for it. I'm a rather straightforward man in a lot of ways. My work always comes first. My work means so much to me, it's my legacy, so why not go to LA, tackle some troubles head on? I can afford to be a police officer who works long nights and late hours. I can afford to have a small social life. I can afford to take on this job without the added responsibilities or the desire of said responsibilities of family and friends. Some might say that makes you a bit nutty. People are born for things. Some are born to be selfish, others giving. Some are born to love, some are born to hate. I was born to work, always have and always will. So what do you see of yourself in the next 10 years? I see myself in law. Might still be an officer, but I'm hoping to be a detective or an investigator. Maybe they'll get a higher role, maybe not. You don't see a family involved, or at least a wife. Not against it, I just don't care if it happens in the next 10 years. What else do you see? Accomplishment, but not the kind created for itself. Accomplishment which confirms that I should be here doing what I love. Does this need for accomplishment come from your lackadaisical hometown which created no such accomplishment? Maybe. What is it that you love? He closed his eyes for a second and opened them softly while mulling the question over. I love the work that I've been doing. That's more than enough for me. Chapter 5 Soft Cafe was a rather weird name for the establishment which was filled with computers, laptop, and technology. Jordan and Elias seemed out of place as bundles of geeks played all sorts of card and board games. Learners had headphones plugged into their laptops. One could easily imagine Marzipan and Liam Schumer meeting here, the two of them blending in well in the sea of geeks. Up at the counter, Jordan and Elias approached the lone bartender. She was a woman with dark black hair cut short and left on her sides. The barista had bold black glasses and a short sleeve a shirt. On her right arm was the tattoo, which meant she was a mod and not a real person. Hi, can I help you? The mod asked, the name tag reading Ellen. Yeah, we have a question about one of your potential customers. Elias began, to which Ellen nodded. You're lucky you have a really good memory, Ellen joked, although it was reality. Mods remembered everything. Jordan whipped out the photo she had created earlier. Do you know this man? He goes by the name Marzipan. I, I do know him, Ellen nodded. He comes in here quite frequently. Could we talk to you somewhere more private? Elias questioned, looking around the room. Yes, Ellen nodded, and the three of them headed to the back room of Soft Cafe. Like I said, he, he comes here quite often. How often? Jordan questioned, ready to truly ask all the questions she could. Mats could remember every piece of interactions, details that normal people would not remember. You could remember your dreams and take them into real life with you, although, like the real life, people were bound to forget things. A mod which was ran by code and thus a manufactured piece of the internet remembered every single detail in memory. Even when mods act like humans, their recall sometimes makes one remember that they're not real humans. He comes in here like two or three times a week. Ellen responded. He orders a small black coffee each time he visits. Sometimes he pulls out a laptop, but mostly he's here meeting with a variety of people. What kind of people does he meet with? Elias bounced off Ellen, who immediately responded. Mostly young men with technological interests. The men always have a weird look to them. The man you call Marzipan. He carries himself rather well. He never appears too weird or anything, but the men which Marzipan meets with can be a bit odd. Would you be shocked to know that Marzipan is a hacker who's working on a dark dream realm? A realm which has a bit more freedom than the dream realm? Well, a bit. Not because I don't think he's capable. More so that I'm surprised people want more out of the dream realm. Ellen sighed. Do you think he's meeting with people who are helping him hack into the dream realm? Is that what you're implying? I think that's a heavy possibility. Jordan nodded. 
Can you confirm that Marzipan looks exactly like my drawing? Absolutely, Ella nodded. He's a thin, wispy man. Slicked back, blonde hair, aquamarine glasses. He stands out, but that doesn't stand out to a point where you'd really get a second look at him. Have you ever interacted with him? Anything you can remember that might give us any indication of where he's from or where he works? Jordan questions steamrolled each other. She was hoping that the mod knew something which would get their investigation going. Well, he mentioned town as hell a few times, Ellen whispered. Sometimes I'd be walking past him in his meetings, you know, just kind of cleaning the place and whatnot, and I just remember hearing him name that realm. Do you think he lives there? No idea. I just remember hearing that realm more so than anything else. Jordan and Elias thanked Ellen for their time and stepped out into the streets of Urbana. Ginger was attacked and raped in town cell by Marzipan, Jordan whispered. She was leaving O'Haggerty's almost a year ago. Well, now there has to be a story, Elias demanded. Let's head to that bar. The two vanished off Urbana and reappeared instantly in front of O'Haggerty's within Towns Hill. O'Haggerty's was the perfect establishment for Towns Hill, fitting the realm's aesthetics quite well. O'Haggerty's was a stone building tightly nestled between two other stone buildings, forming a stone wall of sorts. The windows to the bar were large stained glass panels. Externally and internally, the place was a mix of Irish, Welsh, and British pub culture. Whiskey and Guinness floated out of the open door and onto the patio while men and women enjoyed the drink from the dimly lit depths of the building. Towns Hall itself was a rather peaceful town which was built upon a hill. The buildings formed rings which spread outward to a small wall. Past the wall were large and endless fields of grain, wheat, and green, as endless as one wished to dream. Most of the residents and partiers existed within the village of Townshill, although some people did dream themselves in a little house on the Irish prairie. Most people preferred the grand city of Urbana, or the beautiful coastlines of West Coast and South Coast. Although Townshill was a beautiful little addition, people visited once in a while as a change of pace. So we're close to the area where Ginger was abducted, Jordan explained as she began to walk the exact path as Ginger had indicated. If he was able to grab her into his apartment or into a hotel, it had to be nearby. With the photo in hand, Jordan immediately turned to a passerby. Excuse me, sir, have you seen this man? Chapter 6 From the depths of a second bedroom, electronics fizzled around him like sparklers on the 4th of July. The modems hummed and fizzed around him while he typed fast, mimicking the pitter-patter of experts. Like usual, he was continuing to grind out codes which would strengthen the Dark Realm. It was his job to foresee the future of the Dark Realm code, while the hackers beneath him handled assignments which he designed. He was the future of the code, the master of the direction to which Dark Realm went. His blonde hair was slicked back carefully, so carefully that in the real world such precision would take a long time to perfectly master. The computer reflected off his glasses, but in the Dream Realm, the reflection didn't seem bothersome. He cracked his knuckles for a second, pausing to look at the series of numbers on the screen in front of him. It was rather impressive, although he didn't want to appear ahead of himself. One attitude which never fared well for a hacker was pride. There was a difference in being proud of what you accomplished versus letting your accomplishments solely your attitude. In real life, Marzipan was a freelance hacker and code writer who lived in Amsterdam within the Netherlands. He had designed pages upon pages of websites and codes for all sorts of legal and illegal companies and organizations and people. He had worked equally for humans with good intentions and with bad intentions. Marzipan was not in the business to be ethical. He was trying to flip a buck. He didn't mind who he served, for it was pointless. He was trying to make money while he was in the height of his power as a hacker. Like female pop stars and butter, hackers had peak experiences, times where they were the talk of the town. The period of a peak experience could last rather long if one played their cards right. 
Marzipan's 20s could be heavily fruitful, enough to make him a legacy by the time he entered his 30s. He could make enough money that he could retire comfortably at the age of 40. Marzipan had been approached by a British fellow about a year ago. This job had enticed him partially because of the money involved, partially because of the difficulty at hand. On top of the fact that Marzipan could work on the code mainly while he was in the dream realm. That, too, was a benefit. How was Marzipan going to break into a code and change it, especially a code used by over a billion people worldwide? The first few months had been challenging, with both successes and failures. His boss had been patient, rather happy, even with some of the turbulence which occurred following some of the experiments. How did it go? Marzipan whispered, appearing in the shadows of an Urbana alleyway. Liam Schumer, known by his last name as Marzipan, had just finished another trial of the Dark Realm. I did it. It works. None of the other hackers were too interested in testing the codes they were implementing, but Schumer, Liam Schumer, he had been dedicated to trying out the codes. It was a shame that Schumer had gone AWOL. He had been one of Marzipan's favorites, after all, but no matter. The codes were working brilliantly now. Those who bought their codes and used them were enjoying the liberation of their Dream Realm experiences, and with the amount of money they were making prior to an official rollout, it was almost obscene. He couldn't imagine what would happen to an official rollout. Although there was some worry that there would be some kind of leak and that the people would find out about their technology per se. But thank goodness, his work wasn't illegal. A small beep came from one of the computers in the secondary desk. The secondary desk acted as a general alarm system, designed so that Marspan was warned if anyone unaffiliated with the apartment building had entered it. Marspan turned to see a female and male figure enter the building. He recognized neither of them, although he was curious to who they were. Both carried themselves high and proper, neither slowing down after briefly pausing at the mailbox system. Marzipan tried turning back to his main desk, but stopped. He watched as they took the staircase and ended up on the third floor. It was now getting incredibly dangerous for him. Strangers now on the same floor as him. He watched slowly, his heart beating as they passed his neighbors. His eyes opened wide, his body going into a panic as the two strangers arrived at his door. Without a single moment of hesitation, Marzipan vanished just before there was a knock on the front door. Chapter 7 a woman had been the one to explain that she knew the man, who was a neighbor of sorts within Townshill. She had pointed them in the direction of the building, explaining that the man's name was Jacob Drewinsky. There was a high chance that Jacob Drewinsky was a fake name, although there was no way to know that off the top of their heads. We'll have to inspect if there truly is a person named Jacob Drewinsky, but I don't think Marzipan would use his real name, but stupider things have happened. Elias explained as they took to the staircase. The climb to the third floor was somewhat quick, and both Jordan and Elias were itching with anticipation when they arrived outside of the door which belonged to Jacob Drewinsky. Elias knocked casually, but it was clear after a brief pause of time that there would be no response. Well, what do we do? Jordan questioned. Do we come back? We're not in the real world. Elias smiled as he immediately began kicking down the door. He was successful, the door breaking away easily as if made of wet paper. There's no rule stopping us from entering Marspan's apartment. This would not be like any ordinary police investigation. They couldn't take any trace evidence, nor could they truly be sure that the crime happened automatically within the apartment. Marspan could have changed the appearance of the apartment with ease, dreaming up new designs in lieu of the rapes he committed. However, upon entry, the apartment seemed rather minimal. There was some new appearing and rather unused furniture, which mingled with the kind of prop and decor you'd find at a basic home and garden store. There were no photos just a little bit of art. The kitchen looked emptier, all the food keeping only to the fridge and freezer, granite counters looking crystalline and pure. He keeps the place neat, Jordan muttered. It doesn't look like he's even used the kitchen or the living room. This could easily be a place strictly for work and crimes, Elias explained. 
Besides, he doesn't need to eat or host guests in the dream realm. If there was a mess, all he'd have to do was believe it to be cleaned. It was easy to exist in the dream realm. You weren't reliant on food, sleep, or water, nor did shelter or space matter since you could create it. Elias and Jordan moved to the bedroom and Ginger's description of the bedroom in which she was raped came to life. There were a few clothes in the chair and the desk of the room, although otherwise the room was empty. The bed was large, furnished with navy blankets and lighter blue pillows. A couple art pieces hung on the walls of the room, none of them powerful, but rather the neutral type of art. The kind of art that didn't really make you feel any type of way, but was just purely there for visual aid. This room looks exactly like the room Ginger described. Jordan nodded as she continued to stroll through the room. It's not a hotel room, but it's close to it. I wonder how many other people were taken advantage of. How many other lives were destroyed partially? Elias added, looking around the room in the vague hope that evidence of trauma would become available. It makes you wonder. It truly does, Jordan nodded. There's no photos of Mars Pan, nothing confirming that his appearance is as explained by Schumer. Well, Ginger affirmed what he looks like. I don't think a hacker would be that stupid to leave photos of himself around the apartment. The bathroom was empty and similar to the rest of the house, cold, with no identity attached to it. However, the office yielded some interesting results, as they looked between the giant massive computer screens and at the large computer banks and modems which covered the wall. A room like this only existed in one person for every million, the kind of room which indicated that the individual knew everything about the mastery of computer technology. Well, if we had any doubts, they're gone now. Jordan didn't know exactly where to look, her eyes drawn at different screens. Some of the computers flashed with bright numbers against dark backgrounds. Some were open to casual search options and home pages. But one computer appeared to act like a security screen, as it showed footage of the hallways to the building. If he was here, he probably saw us and fled, Elias chuckled while Jordan looked through a small pile of paperwork. I think this paperwork contains the names and contacts of the hackers he's working with on the project, Jordan explained. Although, he has some kind of special code, so we can't identify any of the names. Jordan shuffled through the paperwork, which continued to be written up in some kind of hacker code. God, we can't remember this, Jordan sighed, although she did flip to a poster which was written for the common man. Jordan eyed the poster for a second before showing it to Elias. Hmm. Do you think this has something to do with the Dark Realm? The poster advertised was for a place called Gate, with the word being spelled out in a rather aggressive font. There was an address which was located in the mid-shady region of Urbana. The flyer said a few things upon it, merely drinks, food, and girls. There appeared to be nothing else in the poster. Its minimalism kept for a secret most likely dark and unethical. What do you think this place is? Elias questioned. A strip club? A brothel? Both and more, I bet. Jordan whispered as she looked over to her co-investigator. Since we can't find Marzipan, should we just head here? Across the way from the apartment building, Marzipan stood on the adjacent building across the street watching the windows, seeing the movement of the two figures who had interrupted his work. The two figures did not stay long before leaving, although Marzipan was not sure where they had left to. Worried that it could be a trap, Marzipan remained on the roof away from his apartment while he pulled out his cell phone to call a number. Hello, hello, Marzipan whispered as his direct boss answered the phone. We have a problem. The British twang could be heard over the line as King responded, What kind of problem? Thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts and work done by me, Matt Rebar, check out my website at www.mattrebar.weebly.com. Tweet or Instagram me at Reebstar, H-R-I-B-S-T-A-R. And if you missed it, all 10 episodes of season one, Unconscious, Subconscious, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Until next time.